Hey, this is Matt. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Welcome to the Sales is King podcast, which is my latest venture in the podcast world. So you're uh, nice. the um, guest on episode two. So we're <laughs> proud to have you and uh, look forward to catching up. I know we follow each other on social on a number of sites and we had the pleasure of meeting a couple of years ago at the Serious Decisions Summit in Nashville, and uh, so I'm happy you could join us today. How's everything going? It's good. It's good. Uh, enjoying the summer, having a good uh, good start to August, so I uh, can't complain. Excellent. Excellent. So I'd love to, um, for our audience, just, um, I know that you're a very well-known thought leader in both the marketing and sales space in B2B, but I'd love for you to just give a quick overview of your organization, the Heinz Marketing Group, and uh, what you guys do, and uh, kind of what you're working on today. And then we'll talk a little bit about your thoughts on the modern-day salesperson. Sounds good. Um, yeah, excited to, uh, to share that. We're uh, Heinz Marketing. We're about a nine-year-old company purely focused on B2B sales and marketing. Uh, you know, we are firmly, I guess, in the marketing side of that camp. You know, we're a bunch of you know, smart B2B marketers that think in terms of the entire sales pipeline. I describe us, in fact, as sales pipeline people. Uh, you know, very rarely, if ever, can you buy a beer with a marketing-qualified lead. And so a lot of the metrics that marketers <laughs> traditionally focus on, valuable but not sufficient. You know, and so I think that you know we're really evangelizing the concept that marketers should be thinking about the entire funnel. That marketing sh- should be perceived mm-hmm. as, uh, perceived as and act as a profit center in the business, such that they're reporting on and prioritizing metrics that you can buy a beer with that your CFO already understands and prioritizes. Mm-hmm. So from you know demand creation to lead and pipeline management to uh, you know technology and workflow and campaigns, you know from you know strategy to execution, we're helping you know, B2B companies really sort of better uh, sort of transform the way they operate and where they focus and then the results they can generate for their companies. That's great. That's great. And that's definitely uh, an area that I've kind of come across as well in my travels. Um, Some of the issues start to pop up when, you know, marketing doesn't really understand the kind of second half of that buyer's journey. Uh, They focus so much on generating the lead, but not necessarily understand what what sales really needs to get to the end of the road. So I would imagine with your service that um, you guys are getting a lot of uh, new business and probably uh, delivering some good results. Do you have any kind of examples to share? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, we see this full funnel marketing approach working across business sizes, across industries. Um, you know, when, you know, when you can simply align objectives with the sales organization, when you can say in a singular fashion with a single spreadsheet, here's how many deals we need, here's how big a pipeline we need to get there, here's how many leads we need to feed into that pipeline to hit our number. Now sales, you know, sales knows what they need and marketing knows what they need to generate to support the sales organization. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy to go and do that, but if you can start from a common platform of knowing what your numbers are, knowing who you're targeting, knowing what a good prospect looks like, knowing what are the attributes of a prospect that is likely going to be uh, more engaged, that is more likely to have the problem that you can solve, then you're getting somewhere. And so I think you know, just what we've seen time and time again 
is by driving not only that reorientation of marketing, but also an alignment between sales and marketing on those outcomes, the behaviors and the act tactics that are happening on a daily basis from both organizations improve. You literally, just by that alignment, you start to get people focused and prioritizing activities and tactics that are generating better results, better you know, improvements on metrics they've already been focused on. So I, you know, I, can, give, I can give a lot of specific examples of campaigns and outputs, but we've, we've seen you know, we've have some clients that have literally doubled their sales number you know, from one year to the next without increasing uh, expenses on the sales and marketing side simply because they're doing more of the right things. So really, and, and we're seeing it too, this more orchestrated effort between marketing yeah. and sales um, is really leading to better results. And it all really stems back to this, um, you know, the change in the B2B buyer um, and the fact that they're, you know, more knowledgeable and they're, um, of course, inundated with stuff and content. And I had a chance to look at your uh, new book, The Modern, Modern Marketing Field Guide, and you have some great tips in there for really um, how to create content that stands out. Because more so than ever, um, it's just such a sea of madness when it comes to marketing, email campaigns, and inboxes are cluttered. And I know, you know, I know that I get so many just bad um, pieces of content that come in that I think, you know, kind of uh, makes it more difficult for some of the, you know, the better pieces to get through. But what are a couple of the tips that you um, are out there espousing for trying to get content, you know, more read and, 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 and engaging with buyers? Well, I mean, you, the experience you have, I think a lot of people have. You know, we, we experience it as sellers and that a lot of people aren't reading our stuff, and we experience it as buyers when we're inundated with information that we didn't ask for and often don't need. And so I think the key is to try to create some relevance. The, tr the, the key before you can engage someone in a sales conversation is to get their attention and keep that attention long enough to sort of show them that you can help solve a problem. And, and the key to doing that is not to talk about your product or service, right? I mean, you know, if there's one thing I would say to keep in mind, as a mantra, you know, for your sales and marketing efforts is some version of, you know, sell the hole, not the drill, right? You know, you may eventually, your mm -hmm. prospect may actually need a drill, but what they, dis what they really wanted to buy was a quarter-inch hole. And that quarter-inch hole is in and of itself part of some bigger project. Are they building a birdhouse? Are they building a human house? You know, what are, they, what are they doing with that hole, and why do they need your drill versus other drills to do it? So I think it's important to keep that in mind and to understand a significant part of the sales process that can be executed by sales or marketing is really about understanding need and committing to change around that need. And I think that, that commitment to change on a prospect's behalf for a prospect's benefit is one of the most important parts of the sales process and one of the most difficult parts of the sales process. The advantage for you as a seller is that you can get someone committed to change without them understanding how you are going to facilitate that change. Get them committed to the right. whole and the quality of the whole and the features of the whole and understanding what the ROI is of that whole once you get them to that level of commitment, I think the hardest part of the sales process is done. Now if they're committed to the whole, they need a drill. Exactly, exactly. And we're seeing that quite a bit as well um, at Alinean. You know, we've been trying to uh, work on a challenge-focused approach 
when we create some of these you know, content assets out there. So trying to understand buyer challenges, trying to get them thinking about their issues um, and uncovering right. these issues. And then also, you know, another key area is this whole status quo, right? So, so many clients we talk to are saying, hey, the competition isn't really um, another company. It's just the, the do nothing, you know, we're not going to make a decision type of thing. So we've been getting some success with trying to highlight what we call the cost of doing nothing. So, you know, here's yeah. your current situation and here's what it's really costing you today. Um, and then that's usually a big eye opener as far as, you know, wow, I, I really probably do need to change. And as you said, that commitment to change. And then when sales can engage, um, you know, it, it's a little bit easier uh, to try and get that deal across. But let's talk a little bit about I'm really interested in your thoughts on uh, sales today um, and the successful salesperson and where you kind of fall in the spectrum of, you know, are you a challenger sale kind of um, aficionado? Do you think that that's the way to go? Um, do you think that, like some of the uh, analyst groups have said, that B2B salespeople um, are going to be dramatically less important going forward because so much of things are being automated? Or do you think it's kind of more the, um, the old school selling uh, approach is, is still relevant? What are you thinking today about the most effective way to sell? Well, I, I think what works in selling hasn't changed. I think you know some version of customer-centric selling is what works. You know, if you are, um, you know, if you're a hard sell kind of seller, uh, I don't think that works. And I think when you do get someone to buy, um, it's likely because they need it and they had to do the value translation on their own in some cases. But I think the most successful sellers today are are investing time and effort, not only in building a relationship and building rapport and credibility with their prospect, but prioritizing the prospect's needs first, realizing that not every prospect is going to be ready. Uh, I think, you know, Gartner says that 46% of most markets, most buying markets, are what they call poised. It's a prospect that has a need that is qualified, but mm -hmm. is not prioritized pursuing that need. And so your, your, your job as a seller is to identify that half of the market that is ready and then help them quantify and prioritize the cost of the problem that they did or didn't know that they have. Uh, I don't need to be my buyer's best friend. Um, you know, I think there's something mm -hmm. that for people don't always people don't always buy the best product in the market. Sometimes they buy from their favorite. That's fine, but just because you are their favorite doesn't mean that you are going to get the deal. Uh, I think you you're still you have to put the prospects priorities in front of everything else. And if you do that well, in most cases, your priorities and their priorities are going to align nicely, not with everyone you talk to, not with everyone exactly when you want it to happen. But if you've done your market model and your go-to-market strategy right, um, you will win in the end. And the residual impact of selling right, the residual impact on repeat purchase on lifetime value of referrals and word of mouth will increase exponentially as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, I see that it really is, you know, definitely kind of a combination of things. Certainly, um, you know, you still, and you're out there selling yourself, right? So, you know, and so am I, we're out there selling. So you definitely have to be aligned. You have to be able to be a modern day, you know, challenger type seller and deliver, you know, insights and understand their issues. And, you know, we're, you and I are both out there creating tools to do that. But then in addition, you really still need some of the old school tools, you know, that go back 
many decades, right? So the relationships um, today, I think, still help you break through the noise and get you that meeting where perhaps, yep. uh, you know, if you don't have it, then you're really relying on, you know, emails and things, which, you know, there's uh, varying rates of success on that. Then you've got your old school kind of uh, follow-up, right? So there's such a process today. Um, if you're not a kind of, you know, very few deals kind of just happen on their own. So, you know, it really requires understanding the process, following up, keeping things in front of the client, making sure there's continuity of meetings set up. And then lastly, of course, the, the old uh, standby of closing, right, which is uh, certainly uh, an art uh, for many salespeople. So I think it's really a combination and kind of a hybrid of, of the new school with the old school. And, um, you know, that's at least what I'm seeing from my own experience, but it sounds like you would agree with that as well. Yeah, I think that's a good way to characterize it. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad sold Caterpillar tractor equipment for 35 years. And, um, you know, he, I don't think he's ever seen or used LinkedIn or any of these social tools, but I think he would recognize how what he has done applies to today's selling environment and to what's working in sales today. That, yeah, you can, you can build a relationship with your prospects, but you have to find a way to differentiate, find a way to create value, um, deliver on those promises, do what you say you're going to do. I mean, those are all sort of fundamental needs in, in sales and in any buying environment that, you know, unfortunately today still aren't, uh, aren't prevalent everywhere. So I think for those that are actually practicing what they preach, um, they can stand out mm -hmm. and differentiate fairly quickly. Definitely. And then the last topic, um, and you kind of touched on it um, a little bit, um, social selling. What is your kind of definition? I know you've done a lot of work around it. You've written some, some books and articles about it. But how would you kind of define it, and how do you, you know, give me an example of a, a successful social selling uh, effort. Well, I've written a lot about social selling. I think you know, a couple things. One, I, I, I believe we have finally gotten to the point where, uh, you know, the, the use of social channels has been ingrained into smart selling strategy. We can just call social selling selling. Uh, I also selling. Uh, I, I think calling it social selling is a, perhaps a bit too aggressive. Maybe calling it social marketing is more is more relevant because we're not mm -hmm. we're not closing deals through social channels, right? Unless you're selling a transactional product. Um, you know, we're not, you know, we're not getting, you know, enterprise POs done on Twitter and Instagram. But I do think that social channels have been a great way to increase uh, frequency of attention with your prospects. It's been a great way of learning about your prospects. I, I find the greatest sales value in social channels is actually not talking, it's listening. It's looking for to, yes. le to learn more about your customers, what they prioritize, to identify problems that they may or may not know that they have that you can then respond to. Um, you know, I think they, sometimes I think social, the social media channels out there, it's the greatest library of buying signals in the world, but all the books happen to be on the floor. So you know, identifying, you know, having some processes and tools to, to figure out what's most valuable to you can be a huge differentiator and a daily source of new leads into your business. Without a doubt. And, um that's how we're seeing it too. It's it's tremendous, particularly you know mostly myself, LinkedIn and Twitter. You know, you can really get a great understanding of a, what you know what's going on within a within a company. Number one, and then drill down to you know particular potential target or prospect. You know what their 
writing about, what they're, what's important to them. Um, and when they're doing a lot of sharing, it, it certainly can help you personalize reaching out um, and potentially trying to uh, figure out how to, how to start a relationship. But it seems to me that it really needs to be just another tool um, in your sales process. So, you know, I'm kind of out there. I'm, I'm doing my regular routine and following up on leads and things of that nature. But it, I know that I also have to kind of take the time and go through social and go through everybody I'm following and kind of keep up with that and um, see if there's anything that kind of resonates where I can jump in and try and help. So, um, well, it becomes, it becomes something you have to create yeah. a habit and some consistency around just like anything else. Um, you know, the best salespeople I know, you know, have great referral business and have great customer relationships that drive them new business, but also are consistently prospecting. They're always, you know, out on the phones, you know, in the field, you know, prospecting for new business. Um, you know, I think it, there are there are tons of buying signals across the social web. You have to know where to look for them. You have to have the tools and the processes to get to them. You have to be precise and disciplined enough to get in, find them, and get out. I mean, we can all get sucked into social media and puppy videos for hours, you know, but that's not going to help you <laughs> sell. So I think knowing what you're looking for, knowing where to look for it, and then over time building a fairly repeatable process whether that process is automated through tools or it may be completely manual, right? But I think you know you want to have some system that you can follow on a regular basis to extract as much repeatable, predictable value out of those systems as possible. Absolutely. And then one final question, Matt, and I'm going to let you get back because I know you're busy. In terms of when you're engaging, um, what's the is is the top challenge more top of funnel? Uh, hey, we need more leads, we're not getting enough uh, engagement, or is it more, hey, we're just not converting enough, or does it, how does it kind of break out percentage-wise in, in, in the engagements you are involved in? It's a great question, uh, and I think you know, we clearly see both. I would say more often companies have a conversion problem. Uh, you know, even if okay. you don't have very many leads coming in, um, you know, our ability to actually interact in a value-added way with those prospects, you know, qualify based on needs, sell the whole not to drill, I think most companies do a poor job of that. Um, and, and I think if you, have, if you can fix the conversion uh, challenge and have a better engagement with your prospect, that approach can also, uh, in parallel, drive better leads. It can drive more leads. It can have more of that 46% of the mm -hmm. folks that Gartner says are out there that want to learn more from you, that, that you pique their curiosity. So, you know, we clearly see both, and there's plenty of companies that don't have any prospects, and so you can't convert mm -hmm. what you don't have. Um, but I think that, you know, solving the conversion problem, uh, you know, fixes a lot of challenges when there can be a, a, a compounding impact in a positive way on businesses that do that. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I know you've got a busy day today. And I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, it sounds like things are going great for you, and we, we wish you continued success. And I'm sure I'll still be crossing it one of the uh, upcoming conferences at some point soon. So thanks again, and uh, great catching up with you. Sounds great. Anytime. Yeah, thanks very much. It's been fun. You got it. See you soon, Matt. Take care.